Hello and welcome to episode 143 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane, here in Denver, Colorado. With me on the line is the godfather himself, Dave Harbarger. Dave, hello. I got I got bumped down to my basement. I'm in a weird place now. I'm just I love in the a, rafters. The rafters. I'm just down here. This is my podcasting den now. Um, but you know what? I got hardwire connection, so hopefully we never have any kind of uh, internet issues anymore when it, for the dive down. <laughs> is there just like an ethernet jack, like just in the wall of the basement? Yeah, it goes right into concrete and fiberglass is all I could tell. It's by the water heater. I'm expecting some kind of star, star monster to come out of here. And, uh, you know, unfortunately this week, and, and Stan mentioned this last week, Stan's not here this week. So it's just going to be me and Shane. Just the two of us. So that means... We can make it if we try. Yeah. Not singing. You and I. Not singing, huh? Again. Well, you know what, Dave? You don't want to get one of those Digital Millennium Copyright Act? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to avoid. You know, Stan, like we said, he's in he's in dad mode. It's it's great when he's here, and when he's not, we got to make do. And this week, we're going to make do with something a little bit different. Uh, the Modern Horizons competitive meta, you know, it's stabilizing. There's a handful of powerful decks that we see at the top of these challenges, the top of these prelims, uh, top of the MTG goldfish meta list. But, and you know, there's a lot of discussion that's been taking place. Good discussion about these new, you know, what's the pillars of the format? What are the pillars of modern right now? There's some complicated Venn diagrams and whatnot. But you know what? There's a lot of writing out there about that. And, w- and we're here to do something a little bit different. And that is, we're going to take you through the people's meta. I'm raising my eyebrow like the rock right now, right? We are going to take a look at, even though there's starting to be a top end of modern starting to solidify, there's still stuff going on. There's still brewing going on. There's still people playing other decks and doing well with other decks. And so this week, and because Shane and I thought this would be a fun thing to do in an easy episode, but we it actually turned out no, not to be. Dave, it's never easy to actually look at a lot of data. It's not. And to try to give it structure. And honestly, you know, none of the episodes we do are ever... Yeah, they're they're never easy because Dave, our conversations are just such an intellectual challenge for one another. Well, we we thought it was going to be simple to do this, but we're we're going to look through every deck from the last Thursday's Modern League, talk about kind of where we think they fit within the meta, and talk a little bit about a few different categories of the way that we're looking at this broader meta than just what's popular and succeeding in the challenges. Exactly. Uh, Before we do that, though, we're going to spend some time looking at last Saturday's Modern Showcase Challenge, which is a high-level event. We're going to see the exact opposite of the league sometimes. We're going to see what people are bringing because they consider them the absolute best decks, not just something that they want to play at the equivalent of a digital uh, FNM or something like that. But before that, we've got Stan's favorite segment. He's just going to listen to this. He's just going to listen to housekeeping. We know most of you only tune in for housekeeping, too. Yeah. We've got new patrons, three of them, Kim Chi Cat, Tom W., and David M. Thanks a bunch for joining the Dive Down Nation. Uh, it's great to see new citizens enter through the doors of the Discord. Thanks for joining. And we also have a new review from, I was practicing this before the podcast, Hyun Hanavi. Thanks for the review. I love new reviews. When I'm working on those notes and I'm like, man, sometimes this is a lot of work. 
And then I read a new review and I'm like, it's all worth it. Yeah. Or when you're having a bad day at work and it's like been a couple of days since a new app goes and you're kind of like, you know what? I just had to send a really bad email. Why don't I go take a look at iTunes and see if the nation had anything nice to say to us? And you know what? We love it when you do. So we appreciate it very much. And if you'd like to support us in a way other than reviews, you can always find us at patreon.com slash the dive down, where even a dollar an episode gets you access to our definitively discreet dive down discord, where people are talking about all kinds of things. And at least two of the decks from this 5.0 were brewed by people who are frequent contributors to the discord. So come and talk to people who are way better at playing magic than Shane and I are. You know, it's true. That's Very where they true. are. And as always, thanks to Mana Traders, ongoing sponsor of the Dive Down. If you use sign up code The Dive Down 2021, you get 15% off your first two months of service. As always, they are the service that we have used for many months, many years at this point, amazingly. So thanks again, Mana Traders. Yeah, now, Shane. We're going to do a really quick breakdown here to go through a pretty important event that happened in Modern this week on on Magic Online. They're always really quick. But please just remember that for the main segment of the show today, we're going to talk about like 70 something decks that were in the modern cha- that were in the modern league on that Thursday of last week. So You're telling me to 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 be fast. Cut cut the fat. This is the top of the meta. Let's see it. <laughs> so this is a modern showcase from Saturday of this week. Is that right, Shane? Yes, this is Saturday's showcase. We we don't... I think there was also a Sunday showcase challenge, and I think um, we don't have the data from that. In fact, I think uh, the MTGO deck list from this dump like just sort of disappeared on me. I'm glad I wrote this when I had access to it. But the way these things work... Are we sure it's real, then, or is it fake data? If it's not on... If, if Fire Shoes tweets about it, then it's real. Yeah, and if Fire Shoes doesn't tweet about it, is it real? I think someone said this about a deck the other day. Someone tweeted, if Fire Shoes doesn't tweet a deck, is it real? So showcase challenges happen. You have to enter them with qualifying points, I believe is the term. And you earn those by doing well in leagues, other events on Magic Online. And you you know scrape together your change of QPs over a few months of play, or if you're uh, Mickey, a few days of play. And you can then participate in these higher EV events. And the top eight of these make it into the mocks playoff events as well. So these are things that people want to do well in. They want to win. I believe Saturday has had about 265 players and at least one citizen of the dive down nation made top 32. We'll talk about that deck later, uh, but congrats to Mickey S AKA Mickey plays magic for doing quite well this weekend. And you guys know Mickey S we talk about him all the time. Super important member of the nation. Also basically our Twitch mod whenever he can be in the chat. <laughs> so I'm watching him right now, uh, ban spam out of our yeah. chat as we, as we do this. So thank you for everything you do, Mickey and good job. Uh, that's just Mickey's own chat. Oh, that's, his, that's him. He's banning his own messages. All right. Uh, and as usual, Bamzing did us a favor, scraped together these deck lists, posted information on Reddit. So thanks again, Bamzing. So let's just breeze through this top 32 meta. Okay. We had five hammer decks, four of them, no, uh, five of them were actually all black white. So they are sort of primarily main deck white based as you're used to. And then sideboard uh, have thought eases. So you want to have some black mana to cast those. And there was a single tin red-white hammer as well. So a total of six hammer decks out of the top 32. Hmm. Red-white, of course, is playing a few main deck magnetic theft and some wear tears in the board. That's a lot of hammer in this event for a deck that it felt like was maybe a little slightly on the wane. Also, the main deck magnetic theft, I believe that card's good against 
other hammer decks, right? Because you can steal their hammer and put it on your guy. Isn't that how it works? Yeah, that's it. That's that's really it. I think, I mean, if you maybe saw like a Calder Complete or a Batter Skull, you could, I think you could snag those as well. Uh, and, I, and I know those Jun Saga decks have been increasingly playing, or maybe they always have played the Shadow Spear. Mm-hmm. So maybe you want to pick that off to keep your your life totals where you want them, something like that, when they're getting tricksy. Next up, four copies of Four Color Elementals. The deck that we thought was dead is now back. All it took was Canister coming back from his vacation, starting to play Elementals, reminding people the deck still has play. Up after that, three copies of Red White Burn with Luris, one copy of Red White Burn, a.k.a. Boros Burn, without Luris, looked like Burn, y'all. After that, we've got two copies of the now mainstay Jund Saga-based deck. After that, two copies of Eldrazitron, two copies of Teamer Footfalls, and then 12 one-ofs. Things wow. like Living End and Green Tron and Four-Color Creativity and Yawgmoth, Splashing Red, uh, Esper Reanimator, Five-Color Humans. We'll talk about that later. So, Dave, like you mentioned, Hammer is really maintaining its position as the top dog of the competitive meta. And to me, that's really something because people know about Hammer. Mm-hmm. Hammer has been probably the best deck in the format, just a little bit, I think, the best deck in the format for months now since Urza Saga hit, hit the hit the format. Yeah. And people are prepared for it. There's sideboard, sometimes even main deck hate for this deck, and it still is able to power through. And that's saying something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's interesting to see it returned back to the top of the meta. Cause I think for a while there, it really felt like cascade was at the top. And is it tempo or Mer- you are Merc tide were the top of the meta. And now uh hammer's coming back and it, it's sometimes it's hard to figure out why these kind of mini shifts happen, but maybe people decided they just wanted to come and be kind of a bit more aggressive, a bit more pro- proactive, make people have answers. And yeah. um, you know, hammer's good at that. It's funny because how, how do you think the elemental matchup is against hammer? That's a good question. Like, you know what's funny is for as popular as Elementals is and has been for a while, I've seen streamers play it and I've played against it like just a small handful of times. So my exposure to it is not great, but I know things like Solitude, even things like Fury, if you haven't already equipped a hammer, can really wipe your board because your your creatures don't have a lot of innate toughness before the hammer gets on them. Yeah, I, w- I would think that those free pitch spells that, do, that are creature removal would make it pretty tough for hammer into lots of different dimensions there. And uh, also, you know, it's not like saying that uh, Teferi three doesn't make it tough to like, you know, flash a hammer in and do that kind of other tricky stuff that you do too. So yeah, that's always super annoying to face down when it's like the four color elementals that not all of these, I think have uh, Teferi. I could be wrong. I remember looking at all these lists, but you're right on that. The thing that's interesting here also is burn taking three of the top eight spots, spoilers. Uh, Whoa. E- yeah, what? each pilot, each pilot went eight, one in the Swiss on um, these top, these, uh, these three top eight performers. So, and we saw a total of four burn decks. So burns doing well. It's, I think it's been doing well for a little while. It's something that we keep seeing. It's definitely been showing on, up. on the uptick lately for sure. And I think these results actually match. And another analysis that we found on Reddit, Shane found on Reddit that went up today or yesterday from a user, yeah, yesterday. user named Bayside who said, uh, blue eye control seemingly skyrocketed to or near the top of the meta. Bayside 19 was asking about it. And someone named Aliquanto replied with a meta analysis of 
the top eight or challenges from the last four weeks. So eight total challenges. And I just want to read off the percentage of what they did a really great in-depth analysis yeah. of all and those they combined, decks. Like, yeah. combined similar decks and similar styles of play. It was really good. It's the type of stuff that we do when we put together a, a, you know, a breakdown. So I was really nice to have somebody do the work for us. But what they arrived at after all that analysis was that the meta that they expected from the 256 decks from the top 32 of these eight challenges is 12.5% Hammer, 9.4% Blue-Red Merktide, 9% Blue-White Control, 8.6% Jun Saga, 7.8% footfalls and 7.4% burn. So those six decks together, according to this poster, represent 54.7% of those top 32 challenge results. And uh, burn is in solidly within that group. It's not like it's oh, yeah. those ones and then one falling back. So pretty interesting. Yeah, like if you asked most people who pay attention to modern really well, like is is footfalls a you know, how much more is footfalls represented than burn? I think more people, I think a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, footfalls is, is at least a few percentage points over in the competitive meta. And we see that it's not. And in fact, Jun Saga is even higher than I would expect. So Jun Saga has been killing it for the past four weeks. But the real surprising thing, or perhaps not surprising, if you watch these things close, is like you mentioned, Dave, the leap of Azorius-based control decks up into a real player in the competitive meta. But that did not show up here uh, very much at all. I think there's just a singleton deck we can call like an Azorius control-based deck with uh, the, the Chalices and Kahira and whatnot. And also one thing I noticed wasn't here yet, at least, was Phoenix. And I think after our episode last week and Spike having a lot of fun and success with his Jeskai Phoenix deck, this wasn't anything that showed up at all. And maybe it's just the kind of thing where people are still figuring out the best way to build it. Or you know, maybe it's just uh, Phoenix doesn't have what it takes right now. But we'll, I think we'll see that happen over the next few weeks where we see exactly how good Phoenix is and how people are des- deciding to build it and change it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not too surprised about that not being there. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit more in the the people's meta assessment that we do. Yeah. But um, I think it's cool to to, uh, to talk about that. Let's let's move on to the top eight. Yeah, there's not a lot of weird stuff here, so we'll go pretty fast. Just give people the props. We've got M4RK, I believe that's Mark, on Jun Saga featuring Luris. I think that's Mifork. M- Mifork? Mifork. Dave, I'm sure we're going to talk about this deck later, but... I just, I just don't know how this deck works. Like, I mean, I understand how it works, right? But it just doesn't seem like it should work together. Like, be, I mean, Jund has never been synergistic. Yeah, I mean, super synergistic. It's right? just always like, how do I maneuver the most value out of my cards? There's not, yep. there's not a lot of intricate play patterns going. I mean, there's intricate play patterns going on in tra- resource trading, but mm-hmm. less so in the I need to do this in order to set things up. And what's really surprising to me, and maybe I just shouldn't be at this point is we've got like two lightning bolts here and four unholy heat. That's just how people are building these decks now. I think there's just more unholy heat value out there than lightning bolt. I think especially for decks that want to grind, maybe planeswalkers would be really annoying to face down. I don't really know. Or just other big creatures. Well, yeah, and you don't care. I mean, look, being able to double bolt someone to close out a game in John when you randomly drew into two bolts 
you know, on turn seven somehow was a nice surprise to remind people that you had that kind of reach when you were playing old junk, right? Yeah. But you don't really care about going to the face with the lightning bolt in this deck. What you want is to kill their threats. And so, you know, our Holy Heat is just way, way, way better at that. And it's even, you know, if you're just killing threats, the utility makes it even better on turn one, even though it does less damage. So Yeah, it's just it's weird, perhaps not that weird, just the three damage of lightning bolt was kind of always as a pass the bolt test. And now the threats that are popular early in modern are a lot. There's just enough lower toughness, enough X one, enough X two where the bolt maybe just doesn't have the needed utility uh, that unholy heat has with the scaling over time with the six damage. All right. After that, we've got Aplumanox on a Orzov Hammer build featuring Luris. Oddly uneven on Boros Burn without Luris. This is just classic burn, y'all. We've got RVNG on Living End. We've got Binu on Boros Burn featuring Luris. We've got Mateus F34 on Eldrazitron. Eldrazitron can still win. Absolutely. Always is there. Especially when there's a bunch of decks that are one CMC or zero CMC to cast what they want to do um, yeah. out floating around. You know, Etron can do make either one of those pretty tough. Yeah, Etron's like the classic run chalice main deck, and we're seeing other control-based decks like Azorius and even some sort of reanimator control style decks running main deck chalice. So it's always a good reason to play Etron. After that, XX Shuasinex on Burrow's Burn featuring Loris. I like the sideboard here, I will point out. It's very to the point. I like to the point sideboards, which is I, I know my bad matchups or bad style of matchups, and I will address them with three palm, three path, four roiling vortex, and four smash to smithereens. That's it. Does not want does not want to lose to hammer. Uh we've got an eighth place. Sia Morero. Well, before you get off that, okay. super interesting okay. that they would run Smash of Smithereens over Wear Tear, where you can yeah. actually tag Saga and an artifact. They're like, nah, we just want the damage. Let's just keep going. Yeah, the damage is, I mean, if your cards don't do damage, they better be really good. And Path is just, I need to get rid of anything. And everything else is dealing damage. Eighth place, Sima Omero on Teamer Footfalls. Man, maybe I should be playing more Burn, Dave. It's just, it's the kind of deck that I love playing, but at the LGS, I just want to kind of mess around more. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't just want to, like, win or not win. I don't need that much downtime. Can I level with you? Please. For, for a long time, ever since we started this podcast, you've said, I love playing Burn. I don't think, I do. I don't think you love playing Burn, Jane. What? I think you really love to play decks that are a little bit more uh, tricky than Burn. Yeah. You know? And I, I think I mean, you've been off the burn wagon for a while. I mean, I feel like the last time I saw you sleeve up a burn deck was like a while ago, twenty seventeen, maybe. I mean, I, I mean, I did take it. I took it to like a PPTQ style thing that was here the other year. Um, you know, of course, it was a couple of years ago now. I, it's the kind of thing like if I was grinding Magic online, I would definitely play more burn. Mm. But it's just like I'm not doing that. If I'm playing Magic online, I'm testing stuff for the pod, or I'm just you know goofing around. So. Yeah. Anyway, so I, mean, I think I should play more burn because I actually do like to just burn people out. Like that's part of the reason that I enjoyed like is it blitz and stuff like that. Like is I feel like those are somewhat similarly aligned mentally compared to uh, Esper Reanimator or whatever you've been messing around with for the last couple yeah. of weeks. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know why I've been playing that so much. I think I just I think I really have fallen in love with Archon of Cruelty. It's it's a one way relationship. You know, I've, I've become a dragon guy. It's a cruel love. I know. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, he does three damage to me whenever I say hi. Just doesn't work out very well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking us through this. I think that this is a generally a good representation of the meta, as we said. We're going to talk a little bit about the top of the meta when we dive deep into this league or uh, this five uh, O dump when we uh, when we come back. But I think it's good that we got a lot of the kind of individual bits out right now. And the deck that won here, Jun Saga featuring Luris, is definitely a deck that feels like it is on the way up quite often. I th- think this is, you know, I think there was a challenge won by Jun Saga last week. I think there's a couple other times that it's been really performing well. And so seeing it here is pretty interesting too. Yeah. I am much more interested, honestly, Dave, in talking about the uh, the league dump because we have a lot more different kinds of decks. These are the same decks we've been seeing over and over again. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think it's good to take a, take a good look. Like we said in the opener, the people's meta, what's happening in our leagues, what are the kind of p- decks that people are experimenting with, they're ruining with, they're iterating on uh, the styles of the deck, they're making little individual nuanced versions of you know a deck that we currently know. So let's head out of this segment, mm-hmm. we'll go into the dive down, and we'll make our way through the 70 odd decks that we have in this week's installation of the People's Meta. Stay with us. All right, we are back. So like we talk about in the opener, this week we wanted to take some time and explore, perhaps even celebrate, the awesome format that is modern. And to do that, we wanted to go a bit beyond the top-tier competitive metagame, the type of stuff that we talk about a lot in the breakdown. We wanted to look at what was happening in the trenches of the modern leagues. The people's meta. The people's meta. (laughs) This is what the people are doing when they go on Magic Online and they're playing their decks. Not those grinders. They're not they're not necessarily <laughs> the grinded. Yeah, this is this is what people are playing out of love, right? Yeah. And experimentation, out of the love of brewing. Uh you know, some people seem to think anything can five O in a league, but we're here to say not so fast. There's a there's a lot of winning that's taking place in each and every league. And there's a lot of reasons for us to be paying attention to what's happening in leagues. You know, a lot of times it takes some time for decks to make their way from the experimental phase, the brew phase to reach the top tiers of the format. You know, we see streamers like Doomwake and Aspiring Spike. We see podcast hosts like over on Faithless Brewing. We see people in our own Discord trying new things uh, before anyone's bringing those decks to the weekend challenges or even, you know, the, uh, the, week, the weekday prelims. And there's always some kind of experimentation. There's always some kind of iteration on existing decks. It happens in the leagues. You know, how are new cards being incorporated in different ways in the decks that exist? That's the kind of thing that makes a meta shift is influx of new cards. And of course, we saw that in huge ways in Modern Horizons. But even with Midnight Hunt, we're seeing decks change in subtle ways or sometimes fairly dramatic ways. And that's happening in the leagues first. What kind of configurations of old cards are making the the most sense? How are new cards being added? Like I said, that's what keeps the metagame dynamic. And by paying attention to the decks in the leagues, that's how we keep our eyes on those first. And you can start uh, copying those things. You can start getting ideas from those decks. And I think perhaps most importantly is that people can find ways to win and have fun with their favorite cards, their favorite strategies, 
because playing modern is not all about identifying the absolute best deck and playing only that best deck or trying to keep tabs on what is the absolute best deck out there to try to win a you know league with or something like that because magic is ultimately a game of personal expression it's a game of fun and if you have fun playing with cards that are a little bit off the wall your general rockericks your titanias the the spirits folks out there the hardened scales people people who love merfolk you know you're going to look in the leagues to see what's going on there because people aren't bringing those or succeeding as much with those honestly in the uh, the top tier competitive meta yeah and so we know that looking at a single league is not exactly the most scientific thing in the world to do but we wanted to kind of enjoy going through what was going on in this league with the not league what this deck dump i keep calling it a single league this isn't a single league this is a few days of five o's um and look at kind of what was shifting around what was emerging that was new and actually kind of like try to do some category categorization and talk about the little kind of tiny innovations that we're seeing in different places so dave you mentioned categories what kind of categories did you determine so it's s tier tier (laughs) one no we are specifically not trying to do a tier list, although I think that there's a little bit of what we, we just have to acknowledge that. You know, people think about the meta game in that kind of way, but we wanted to try, try to do something that was a little more loose and talk about kind of the potential or maybe like the life cycle of what a deck goes through that you can see in a league. And so the categories that we put together here is uh, we have three categories of decks that we're thinking about today. One is what we would call the current mainstream which is sort of the top meta decks, not going to be really specific about how those decks relate to each other in power levels, but it's inclusive of those six decks that we called out from the Reddit post earlier today Mm -hmm. and kind of other decks that we would expect to see a lot of or expect to be doing well based on recent challenge results and things like that. The second category that we have, and and to be what I want to say about the current meta mainstream is, We'll be looking at the ways that decks... We'll be trying to use the the league dump to look at how those decks are innovating or iterating within a given archetype. So the one thing about leagues is, of course, they are not... The results that we see are not frequency-based because if people are all playing the same deck, the same list, we only will see one deck list for it. But what we will see is if people are doing a lot of things in the same universe where they're trying out different cards, we'll see three, four, five versions of the same deck with slight differences. And I feel like that indicates, you know, we're trying to figure out where to go next or we're trying to figure out, like other edges that we can get by continuing to iterate and refine this this deck. So we'll be looking for decks that are still in iteration there and ta- having some short discussions about, about those right there. The next category that we have is what I would call past mainstream, which is, yeah. you know, the one thing about modern is it has a long history, right? And so you never really know when a deck is going to come back or when a deck is going to five zero, when a deck is going to all of a sudden become viable again because of, a new, again, because of a new cards or just because someone brews something or figures out a piece of tech that suddenly makes it really good. So we'll be looking at this past mainstream bucket for decks that sort of used to be towards the top of the metagame or real uh, modern meta stalwarts and looking at, again, the deck building that's going into those, how many versions of those we're seeing right now in the leagues. And also if it feels like, you know, Shane and I think we'll try to identify a couple of decks that we think it feels like might make their way up into what we would call the current mainstream of decks. Yeah. I think part of what we were talking about before we even started recording this episode is 
the one of the incentives we have for doing this, or maybe the the reasons we have for doing this episode in the first place, is to identify decks that we think have power and decks that we think have play, or decks that we think have something going on that maybe just hasn't clicked yet. There's definitely a few decks in this list where I'm like, this seems better than people give it credit for. Or when I play against this deck, that I think that people should be playing it more often than they are, or it's being kind of overlooked. And I think it's something that we'll definitely have in the conversations as we move forward. Yeah, I think the one thing that's interesting here is that the decks in this area, in contrast to the final area that we'll have, which I'll mention, I'll reveal what that is in a second, is that I also think that this is an area that can have some kind of decks that won't ever come back to the main, to the the kind of like oh, yeah. current mainstream. And so it, it's interesting to try to think about like, well, what's going on with these decks? People are still playing them. Are they really? Do they really fit in? Do they not? Um, and which are the ones that really have a power to kind of break out again? Because these are decks that have proven that they have the ability to to lead the metagame in the past. And they're sort of just trying to figure out a way to get back through that door if they can. For sure. What's after that? So the last category that we have is basically what I would call the rogues gallery. So this is everything from the one-of decks that you see, the real like passion projects decks that you see floating around, uh, things that maybe were at the top of the meta at different points of time, but the metagame has changed so much that they're really much more outside of the meta than anything else. It doesn't mean they're bad at all. It just means they're either not popular or they're not tuned or there's a lot going on with these kind of things. Or maybe most importantly, these are the decks that are new ideas a lot of times that are new big ideas, like a totally different way to do something, a completely different way to put together several different pieces of of uh, you know packages from modern in this area, you know, I mentioned this in contrast to the past metagame idea in the sense that these are the decks that sometimes just totally come out of nowhere, have immense amounts of power that people weren't looking at, and can be really things that kind of catapult up to the top of the meta pretty quickly without people knowing kind of where they came from. Well, the fact is, they pretty much come from the leagues eventually, although, you know, there are people who just brew things out of nowhere quite often as well. But so this this area is going to be a mix of kind of your your roguish decks and your uh, your brews your new brews for sure sounds awesome because if there's one thing I like doing it's talking about deck lists great and so let's let's dive in so we already spent a good amount of time talking about the current mainstream part of the meta in the uh, what was that was it a modern showcase, showcase challenge? in the showcase challenge results. But I think it's it bears going through what we saw in this league of kind of what leagues were rep- what decks were represented from that part of the meta. Number one on this list, let's talk about Hammer first. So there were two Hammer lists in this in this uh, particular deck dump, mm-hmm. very stock. There's really not anything going on in these Hammer lists, but other than the fact that one of them runs kind of like a Steel Shaper and Paradise Mantle package, and the other one is much more kind of down the middle. This is your white kind of hammer time deck and, and it is what it is yeah what's fascinating to me is that people still have also not really decided or figured out if you know, what the actual build of this is because there's there's still people who are bringing uh i can't even remember the creature that will tutor up like the next three cards of the ingenious smith ingenious smith yeah exactly so like ingenious smith is still a card that's not always there and some people will win without it and some people will win with it. And it's just one of those things where maybe the core of the deck is just so good that the last four cards 
don't really matter as much as we think they do. Yeah. So not a lot of innovation going on here. So I'm just going to move on from there. So hammer time, number one in a lot of the indication that we've had in metagame sample. I think there's plenty of representation for it here for that probably to be true, even in this league, this period of leagues. The next one on that list, is it tempo? Blue, red, Merktide, essentially. You know, I really wanted to talk about these decks in a single category because I think there is an interesting thing going on here with Blue, red, Merktide, which is that they're not all tempo decks anymore. And there's four individual decks from this uh, league. And I, I think that a couple of these players would take exception with being linked and in, dropped into the same bucket as a straight up is it tempo For deck. Sure. But I think that we do have to think about these all through the same lens because it's the same core of of cards that just let you decide what you think is more effective in the meta. Is the tempo-y faster version more effective or is a more Blue Moon-style control deck more effective at this particular time? If you're a player who's good at those kind of decks, you're probably able to uh, pilot either one with a good amount of skill, I think. And, you know, the 5-0s in this deck dump in particular are represented by the Pen Sword and Timu, both of whom are very well-known blue-red players. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, a player named Makiak and Nicholas P, who I'm not familiar with their list as well. But a lot of interesting stuff going on here. So the the first thing I would note is that if you look at the Is It Tempo deck, since like the main Is It Tempo deck, since um, Innistrad Midnight Hunt has come out, really the only thing that's coming up here is that they started running a couple of considers as part of the uh, part of their cantrip package. Sure. And I'm assuming they're cutting opt as part of that, running things like main, uh, main deck engineered explosives, uh, those kind of things. But other than that, the list looks pretty normal to me as far as what this deck looked like. It's Ragavan, Dragon's Rage Channeler, Murktide Regent, single Snapcaster, and then all your spells and a couple of considers, and you kind of go from there. But these other decks, the blue-red control temp blue moon kind of decks have picked up murktide regent as their main threat as well in addition to snapcaster mage which actually was kind of surprising to me that 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 happened the, the murktide part or the snapcaster part <laughs> the murktide part there are some of these that still only really run snapcaster as well although yeah. i would i would start to think about putting those in a different deck you know the is it control list from timu again similar core of cards, lots of different ways of getting stuff done, is actually sort of a thing in the ice dress down combo deck with Snapcaster Mage that doesn't even run Luris. So it's not even trying to reuse dress down or anything like that. Obviously, um, you know, if you're going to run Brazen Borrower, you can't run Luris. And like, if you're going to run Murktide, you can't run Luris. So none of them are really doing that, I guess. But they're, um, you know, it still feels like there's enough value in dress down even without Luris to be able to make that thing in the ice trick worth it. Yeah, I mean, these are the kind of decks that we have them in a single bucket, but I think when you look at the lists, they're they're such different expressions of the same idea. Like the pens the pen sword is a, you know, I know that they've been playing Blue Moon a lot recently. I think aren't they leading like in the trophy race yes, right now? Yes, Jacob is on the top of the trophy uh, board right now. I'm sure that's making uh, him happy and also I'm I'm loving the fact that he's still continuing to iterate. He, I know he was playing just kind of a uh, a blue moon style deck with uh, four consider. I believe. I think that uh, he was saying that consider really blew the deck open. It was great for it. And the deck that he ran in this league was basically an elementals. Mm -hmm. Is it control deck with four subtlety, four fury, a couple snaps, and just a bunch of controlling and filtering cards like four opt over consider. 
yep. in this deck. Also, he's been really big on Fire and Ice. Lots of his decks have had Fire and Ice in them lately, which is super interesting considering that I believe Snapcaster Mage and Fire Ice is bugged. And so you can't you can't snap it back with you can't cast it with Snapcaster, which would get you a lot more value out of it. But yeah, this deck I thought was really cool. So I guess the thing that I would say is all of these things really make me believe that blue red at core as that core of cards is still at least one and maybe two real deck, real different decks in at the top tier of modern right now. I think even if you're playing in Murktide in all of, in all of your decks, there's still lots of different ways to put the deck together, depending on what you feel like the metagame is going to be like on a given weekend. And I think that's the big thing about is it to me at the moment. For sure. Yeah, it's it's wild that it's not even Murktide, like tying all these decks together. It's just sort of like a, a concept and a suite of spells. And really, it might just be like expressive iteration. Yeah, this is the best expressive iteration deck that really, that could be true. Although there are a lot of other good great. ones too. Yeah, and that card is extremely great. All right, so is it is it still iterating? Still lots of options if you like playing it. Sleeve up your Archmage's Charms. There's plenty of space for you to do what you want to with them. The next one I want to go to, I'm just going to go in the order from the Reddit post that we shared earlier by percentage of metagame for this top. So Blue Eye Control would be the next one. This particular deck dump really didn't have that much uh, innovation in the Blue Eye Control decks. There were two lists there. I think that one of them was super, super stock. And then the other one was just, hey, I'm going to play Blue Eye Control, but I'm not going to bother with main deck Chalice, Chalice which has actually become one of the big defining features yeah, of for sure. Blue White recently. But it's so it's interesting to see that now someone's starting to feel like maybe the metagame doesn't dictate that you really want to have that in order to make control good. Yeah, it's it's what's interesting about these decks is I think that they are one playing solitude mm-hmm. to the you know to the best, perhaps the best that the card can be. I think solitude is just one of those cards that just continues to creep up. Right? I've talked about this in past episodes where it's like people talked a ton about endurance early on. And they talked a lot about grief. And I think we're to the point now where people are just respecting almost all of the <laughs> elementals, except for subtlety, because subtlety is not very good, huh. I don't think. No, lots but, of people are playing subtlety. You will see. You'll see. I mean, yeah, it's, but like you said, it's like we have these good spells, like we, and me- Memory Deluge is certainly helping these decks along, I think. And then also the ability for a card like Supreme Verdict to make a comeback and say, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have an uncounterable board reset. Yep. It's pretty nice. And of course, you know, we have things like Prismatic Ending. And one of the things that has surprised me a little bit, and maybe it shouldn't, is the return of Spreading Seas hmm. into a, a powerful and disruptive piece of tech where it's like, you know, people's mana bases do get kind of wonky. Uh, Tron is still a thing. Uh, Elementals relies on some rainbow lands and all that kind of stuff. So spreading seas is back and it's doing good work or it must be doing good work in these blue white control decks because they're all playing some number of them. Yeah. All right. Next on the list, John saga. We talked about that a good amount during the, during the showcase discussion. It's a real deck. I know people think it's like not aesthetically all that interesting, but it is 60 good cards and it's very close to being modern horizons tribal in some ways, like it's just a lot of really good Modern Horizons cards. I will say it would be tough for me to not sleeve this up to take it to <laughs> to an F&M, you know what I mean? Just because it seems like an interesting interactive deck to play. There's a lot going, oh, yeah. going on with it. You get to do a lot for sure. And you get to use all of your new cards in one deck. <laughs> so that's pretty sweet. 
Yeah, Ren and Six. I wish I had just identified that as a buy and hold target a long time ago because now I'm just kind of priced out. Yeah. I only have three of them. I wish I had oh never got gosh. the fourth. Never bothered to get the fourth, but uh, we'll see. All right. Next on the list, Cascade decks would be the next in, your, in the, uh, the meta that we saw earlier. Both Crashing Footfalls and Living End. Uh, not the same deck, of course, but they each only had one entry in this this league dump, and I guess that's just because Crashing Footfalls is not really potentially not really Tekken out right now. You know, I'm sure that the deck is performing fine. It's just that uh, people are probably circling around the same list, and I think it's getting close to the same for Living End at this moment. They both might be getting a little bit less popular if they've only got one entry in a in a league, yeah, but I, th- yeah. I think it's, uh, I think it's more likely that the deck is just so close to being agreed upon that people aren't bothering to innovate. They're just playing for sure. Next burn. So we talked a bit about the return of burn and actually the five Oh that's in this league dump is from one of the top eight competitors in the showcase, oddly uneven. Um, you know, some classics never grow out of style, right? Burn comes and goes and comes and goes and comes and goes, but here it is, you know, not, a really uh, spicy deck in any way for oddly uneven. And I think that most of the lists that we looked at in the challenge were pretty expected as well. What do you think though, Dave, like in a, in a world where we are seeing a decent amount of chalice main mm-hmm. chalice on one against burn is going to three to four for one you and some decks are gaining life and they have access to shadow spear but it's just like, who cares? Like, I'm still going to win a ton because all the, the decks where that doesn't happen or I'm just able to go fast enough anyway before they can even have their saga go off and go get that Shadow Spear because I'm burned and I can kill you in, in four turns. I mean, I think that it must just be the speed and the consistency, yeah. Like you said, and then bring able, being able to bring in reasonable sideboard cards against something like Chalice. I mean, on the other hand, there's only, there's only four one-drops in this deck. And so it might be that chalice isn't as bad as it really feels like it used to be here. I mean, you you can't cast, you can't cast your spells. Right. But I guess you're right. I mean, like lava spike, lightning bolt, guidance for spirit. Those are the four. Rift bolt is not a one mana spell. Skewer is not a one mana spell. So they, they have ways of getting around it. And a bunch of the cards that are in here are just two CMC. Good point. So maybe it's just okay against Chalice in that sense as well. All right, so that's that top section of the meta. Again, we talked about it. Let's move along. I really want to talk a little bit about what's going on in this next group of decks because I think it's pretty wild. So in my mind, the next group of decks that we saw represented from the top of the meta here are Luris Piles. And let me tell you, there's a lot of them floating around in the modern meta right now. There's six different decks that I would put in here right now i mean i mean and luris is featured just in a lot of those other decks in hammer yeah in Jun saga sometimes in burn yep and in our quest to talk about every single deck in this deck dump we're going to talk about these six luris piles really quickly <laughs> just to say there's three different grixis versions you know some of them are having some interesting cards showing up like consider of course is showing up in some of these you know, some of them are, are running only Snapcaster Mage. You know, one of these decks from BFCX Craziac has one memory deluge, four Snapcasters, and and even has a Riptide Laboratory to pick your Snapcasters oh, yeah. back up if you Bounce want to. Snap. Play a deck that only makes colorless land in your three-color deck, you wild person. Love it. Love it. Uh, Grixis Luris, you know, 
This one has more creatures running. That This is by Dan Zance, runs uh, DRC, Ragavan, Croxa, and Snap. It's also running, like I said, Consider. Um, and then it TSP has Gendric. No drown. It has no drown. No like, drown. It's, like, it's, it's yeah. basically just like attacking. It's like this is a hand attack version. So yep. like if you want to go more hand aggressive, you can look at uh, Dan Zance's list here. Yep. And then TSP Gendric, well, super well-known player, not running Dragon's Race Channeler here, just running. Ragavan, Nimble, Pil- Pilferer, and Snapcaster, and then a bunch of good spells together in a in a Grixis shell, and it's um, it's you know it's working for them, but it's interesting to see that. And then we have even more versions of this. We have your Demir Luris, which is basically a dress down thing in the ice version, like we talked about earlier in the blue red, and also a Mardu version, which is an updated version of the black red decks that we that was popular at the beginning earlier on. Mm-hmm. You know, and this one has DRC, a monkey, Kroxa, Luris, discards. And then this one, you know, stretches into white to have Kaya's Guile and Prismatic ending. I think it's cool. It's a good way to kind of branch out and have a little bit of extra like graveyard hate in the Mardu decks. And then finally, there's even a Luris Black Red Shadow version that's back here that's using modern uh modern horizons cards as well. But this is really just a shadow deck, but they're all really that mid to mid-range plus deck that runs Luris to really... Yeah. I think what's important to then take away from at least the Luris segment here is that you can play a core of cards that have power and are good together, and then you can... If you want to play certain cards that you think are good or that you like casting, you can do that. Like, if you want to play Shadow, you can... If you're like, Kaya's Guile is one of my favorite spells to cast and I love Prismatic Ending, you can go into like Mardu... You can, if you want to play counter spells or drown in the lock or things like that, you can do that in Grixis. It's just so many different ways to have the same mid range idea, but then express it in different ways. And all of these ways are completely viable. And some might have like a few percentage points here and there, but that's why we're talking about this is that if you want to build a deck in a way, you don't have to keep searching for the absolute best one. You can just be like, I like these cards and I'm going to throw them on top of the Luris shell. Yeah. There's just a lot of play in that particular shell. And I think to me, that makes me feel like this is a deck that's likely to stick around at some percentage in almost any meta because you can get bigger, you can get smaller, you can get different. And I I think that's interesting. Next deck on the list is actually a deck I feel a little bit different about, which is five color elementals, which we talked Mm -hmm. about during, during the challenge. I feel like this deck, as I mentioned last week, is a deck that will kind of come and go. It's not really like configurable in a ton of different ways i don't think it's basically do i need to have great creature interaction and kind of a medium game then this is a deck that can really do that for you don't need to go deeper into elementals i think right now the next bucket that i thought was interesting that i almost didn't put in the current mainstream area i'm kind of surprised you did but they're, they're always here but right now it feels like there are always stoneforge mystic decks around and these are the kind of like there were three entries that were just kind of normal stone stone blade decks there's an orzov one from bodingle and another orzov one from nazart and then a third one that was actually abzan that's very brewish uh that we'll talk about after this but the the orzov ones are pretty interesting you know one is straight up Stoneforge Mystic plus Solitude and Grief, just kind of like normal, but I'm going to play the Invocations and we're going to try mm-hmm. to get those those really powerful spells from Modern Horizons to carry some of the weight here. It does have um, Malakir Rebirth, 
in it and ephemerate still. So you're getting that kind of like grindy version with that going on. And then the other Orzhov Stoneblade deck that was here was sort of like taking that and turning it up even more to where, you know, this is a deck that I I think people theorized was going to be around when we got all the Modern Horizons two cards, but it's including Persist, Malachir Rebirth, Ephemerate, and Undying Evil to go with your Grief, Shriek Maw, and Solitude package, along with things like Skyclave Apparition, Stoneforge Mystic, Charming Prince to do Blink. So it really is a kind of Blinky style of Stoneforge deck. Five pieces of equipment. Yeah. Because you're going to be blinking it. You're going to get that equipment. (laughs) Going to do it. it. Yeah. So I don't know. Pretty interesting to see this, this happening. And then Obzon Stoneforge was just like, hello, I'm from 2013. This rules. I love it. <laughs> this deck has Stoneforge. It has three Siege Rhino in the main deck. Hello, Siege Rhino. When was the last time we saw a 5-0 from you? No, I'm not no sure. No Ephemerate. No Ephemerate to go with your Siege Rhino. Seems like a little bit of a, of a no-brainer, but I don't know. This deck also has three Lingering Souls in it. So this is like the mid-range dream from seriously like five years ago i love it it has no liliana yeah it just has kaya it's like it, it's just it's just great i love the numbers like two hex drinker two dolphy Voidwalker, three stone forge you know why not it's just like it's 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 great yeah yeah play it so like i said i hesitated to put one into into this current meta game but what we said was this current mainstream it's kind of a mix between the highest performing decks and the decks you're just going to see a lot. And I feel like I do see Stoneforge every time I open. Uh, every time. Moto. And there's always the Blink one. Yep. There's always the, the Grief Ephemerate one. There's almost always some kind of Reanimator one, which yep. I think is next on our list. Right. So the next thing on here that I think has a kind of big up arrow, at least as far as metagame representation goes in this current area, is Esper Reanimator. Right? And there's two versions from this. One is... Bob and Cheese, I guess. And the other one is Nick Damien. Pretty interesting things behind these ones. You know, one of them is running Priest of Felrites and Grief, which is I know is a package that you're kind of medium on. You like Priest, you don't like Grief. Yeah. But still running uh, Teferi and Faithful Emissary, or Faithful Mending and Sarah's yeah. Emissary, I mean. The second one is not even bothering to run Sarah's Emissary. This is the one that I think is a little bit like the Wafo deck that has Moldrifter as a secondary thing instead exactly. of instead of having Sarah's emissary. What do you think about this list? I like here's why I like this list is because we kind of talked to we did talk a lot actually about um, a friend of the pod Spider Space. He was bringing out an Esper Reanimator list that I think was trying to sort of split the difference between the old Orzov versions and the controlling type of version that Esper Reanimator can be. So we have a few counter we have four counter spells. And like three Teferi and four Considers, right? But besides that, it's kind of just like a reanimator deck that in, uses those instead of like extra hand disruption or the Grief Ephemerate hand disruption package. But what I like about this deck is it's very decisive on what it wants to be. And that is a slower controlling deck that then can use reanimator as the win con. So like you said, it's got the Mole Drifter for card drawing value it has solitude for uh, removal it's got the archon win con it's got the fort fairy time raveler but this also i think is a better counter spell deck it has supreme verdict to wipe the board it has kaya's guile to 
get some life back or take care of an opponent's graveyard or just get some blockers, all those things. Sack that a creature. Just Sack that. Yeah. yeah. And then the chalice just keeps the opponent off of many decks game plans by getting them off of one mana spells while you're just casting your two and three and even four mana spells. So, so I'm all for this strategy because I think it's just like I said, it's something that's more decisive and has a more, I think, concrete game plan than kind of something where it's like, Hey, I can play this sort of S- this mid range deck where I'm trying to reanimate stuff while keeping you on your toes with counter spells. And I think this is just like, Hey, we're going to go long here. And then I'm going to reanimate stuff and win. Yep. Yeah. And then, of course, the last one that we had in this reanimator bucket is not even Esper Reanimator. It's one of the earlier Orzov Stoneblade reanimators, which, you know, is the Grief, Stoneforge Mystic, Ephemerate, all that kind of stuff. It's kind of a crossover between the previous category we were talking about in this one. This version has been bouncing around. Shane's been playing it here and there. You know, still there. People are still trying to figure out what to do with it. The next group I would have in this current mainstream is Mill. You know, and there were two, there. there were two mill versions. I think mill Demir Mill, as we know it, um, is a really solid deck right now. It's been proven over and over again that people like it at this point, and that it's powerful, especially with Tasha, you know, Tasha's hideous laughter being in there. And uh, so that's a Demir Mill deck. And then there was also an Azorius Mill deck, which popped up a couple weeks ago when it won a modern challenge by, and I think it perfected. The challenge, I believe. I think it was like a 11 and 0 or something like Gotta that. Got a flawless victory. Yeah. And this one, you know, this deck really just seems to stretch into white to get Path to Exile and Prismatic Ending. And it runs two paths, two Prismatics in the main. That's it. And then two paths, two Prismatics in the side. The rest of it is Mono Blue Mill. It also has Luris. That's another reason to uh Is that worth do it? it? But, you it's know, wild. Pris- Prismatic Ending's pretty good. I think that's mostly what it is. Why not play four? I don't know. Well, because because they're they're hedging game one, so I'm sure that yeah. game two they're like, oh, I I side out my paths and bring in my all my prismatics or do the other thing if if one of them is bad. I mean, so, I love a good hedge, but it's yeah. just wild. Yeah. So mill, it's real. It's still there. Just a couple of decks left in what I would call that showed up from I think the uh, the mainstream. Uh, current mainstream would be Eldrazi Tron. I would put in that list, and Yogmoth. I would put in that list as well. They're both pretty stock lists. There's the only uh, Etron didn't have any new cards in it, and the Yogmoth list had Outland Liberator from uh, Innistrad Midnight Hunt, which is the anti-artifact enchantment. Uh, you know, sack it to kill a kill one of those, or flip it and kill one every turn. Werewolves is it enchantment? Oh, I think one of the things too to point out about Yogmoth and is that I think Prosperous Innkeeper has quickly become uh, a staple in that deck because of the, the, the value that it provides, you know, the, the treasure token and the potential life game combo synergy, I think is there. So yeah, I can't wait to play with Outland Liberator one. I think the showcase version is great looking and <laughs> also the card the card is just sick. So sweet. Yeah. So a couple of decks that I think are, are missing from here, or at least one that comes to mind that did not show up in this one is Green Tron, which I guess you could say is past mainstream or shows up enough that it's current current mainstream <laughs> as well. It's kind of somewhere in between. I don't know. Is there any decks that you thought were just kind of missing from what we would expect in this area? Hmm. No, honestly, I think, like you said, I think Green Tron is just one of those decks that it's weird. Just a few weeks ago, we were talking about how Green Tron was, was back so much. I was pushing elementals out of the format. Right. And just that quickly, maybe it's with the, the increased uh, buy-in of decks playing Counterspell 
or or what or just i think more decks i see even pushing to full play sets of prismatic ending when before they'd play maybe two or three and i think just the sheer power level of that card is being fully appreciated right now so it's just one of those cards that i love playing against greentron because so much of their setup relies on these one mana permanents to survive a turn and when you get rid of them it's pretty hard for greentron to keep going Yep. All right, so let's move out of this one into what we talked about with the past mainstream. And so just a refresher, because it's been about 20 minutes since we talked about it, past mainstream in our mind is decks that used to be real like top-tier meta players of different eras that are still hanging around and either still trying to innovate or just kind of hanging around, you know? And so I think that we're going to try to go through here and talk about ones that seem there's like there's a lot of iteration going on around them, and then maybe talk a little bit about ones that it seems like they're not that different, and so what kind of conditions might it take for them to to get better and return to being at the top of the metagame. First deck I wanted to talk about here, it's a really big bucket. That would be what I what I think we could think of as trying to bring back the Omnath control decks in various different, you know, configurations, the ones that eventually led to Arkham's Astrolabe being banned in, in modern, essentially, and also Feel of the Dead. So it's really the stuff that was kind of like Bant Control plus a way to kill you, plus ways to get value. It's that whole kind of thing going on here and there are a bunch of these there are at least four different four color yorian ephemerates combo or not combo or omnath decks just in this particular drop and the brewing going on with these is all over the place you know some of them i believe that one of these even won the sunday challenge this week which of course we don't have all the decks for because we record on sundays but i think it either won or did really well in the in the challenge and um you know it's bringing omnath back and I don't know how you feel about that, but, you know, it's not that fun <laughs> to play against Omnath. Oh, no, it's the worst. I think Omnath is one of those cards that I think multicolor control fans have a very good reason to build around. And so that's why we just keep seeing these decks uh, continuing to show up is because Omnath is a powerful card even outside of Elementals. And so we're going to see combo control, we're going to see cheaty control, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so the first one I want to talk about really quick is by Martinez DP. Martinez DP actually had two different 5-0s with, this, with similar shells in this one deck dump, focusing on Omnath. But this is the first one that they had was basically, you know, Renin 6 and Teferi Time Reveler, Ephemerates, Lightning Bolt, Prismatic Ending, Counterspell, Expressive Iteration, Utopia Sprawl, all of those, those kind of cards. Did I mention it's a Yorian deck? So there's 80 cards in this deck. And it also has Ice Fang, Coatl, Wall of Omens, Eternal Witness, Omnath, Fury, and Solitude. Fury is the only two of in that main deck. Fury is a two of and Wall of Omens is a two of. Everything else is fours. It's, it's, it's pretty sweet to just see something that we're like, yep, we're just playing four ofs of all these really good cards from whatever color we want, as long as it's not black. <laughs> playset Tribal. Yep, Playset Tribal. Then there's two different lists here one is from the other list from martinez dp and one is from another player that is sort of a uh stretching this whole shell into something you see quite often here which is planeswalker control with ren, ren and six and teferi time raveler and also we're going to play saheeli rai and felidar guardian and try mm -hmm. to just also have a combo combo way to kill you as well now one of these this is a this is a fires deck too yeah well the first one is a fires deck as well 
which is kind of like, whoa, okay, we're going all the way to fires. It also has Storm the Festival in it, which is a card that has gotten a little bit of talk from Midnight Hunt. Storm the Festival is three generic green, green, green for a sorcery that says, look at the top five cards of your library. You may put up to two permanent cards with mana value five or less from among them onto the battlefield, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is a collected company that is for any permanent card value five or less. It costs six and it's a sorcery, but it also has flashback for seven generic blue, uh, green, green, green. Yeah. So... People have been experimenting with this. I'm not sure which one of these Martinez DP got with uh, got a 5-0 with first. Maybe they were like, we're going to try the tricky one, and then that wasn't worth it. I'm going to go back to something more simple. But it was cool to see Storm of the Festival show up along with Fires of Invention, like, Saint, like Shane said. Yeah, I mean, when you're trying to do some ramp with like Explore, you're always hitting your land drops with Ren and Six, and just playing 31 lands, you're going to be hitting your lands. And then... Fires of Invention makes Storm of the Festival just super value because if you have six lands, you're casting Storm and getting two permanents onto the battlefield along with yet another spell off of Fires. So there's a lot of value to be had here. Yep, absolutely. And then even more of these decks coming up. Another blink-focused one that has something a bit more akin to the Kiki Chord package in it, where it's a Yorian deck, and it's got Ragavan in it, but it also has a bunch of one-ofs for different things because you're running Quarter Calling as a way to search things up, and it's got Kiki Cheeky and Restoration Angel in it, and so it's just a different way to kind of combo off at the end while you're getting all this value off of your Omnath deck. Mm -hmm. This one does not even bother to run Teferi. And then that's wild. Yeah. So these are the ones that I think are kind of in your controly area. And then finally, there is one last deck that I would put in here, which is a deck by RAP Arc Burb, which is uh, kind of a funny, funny title name. And this is a Omnath deck. Again, Run and Six, Teferi Time Raveler, all the good spells. But it includes Manamorphose and also includes General Ferris Rockrick and Moonvale yeah. vale Regent for a kind of more aggressive version of the deck. Uh, I think this is close to what uh, to Spike's kind of version of this whole thing, but it also has four Chalice of the Void as well. You want me to read Moonvale Regent really quick? Oh, sure. So Moonvale Regent's a card that's also making some waves in, in different places. A lot of talk going on around it in Standard, but it's three generic and a red for a creature dragon. It's a 4-4 flyer, and it says, whenever you cast a spell, you may discard your hand. If you do, draw a card for each of that spell's colors. When Moonvale Regent dies, it deals X damage to any target where X is the number of colors among permanents you control. And so, you know, if you get Moonvale Regent out when you got Omnath, you're going to get to do four damage to something when Moonvale Region dies. It's just a one-of, but I think it's an interesting version of this same kind of Omnath deck that's just more aggressive than the other ones are. Yeah, I, Rockerick is one of the cards that has surprised me that no one has really broken it wide open. And I think it's less about the innate power of Rockerick and perhaps more about the innate power of everything else that's going on in the format, right? Where it's like, this is kind of like the, the Monastery Mentor, where I have to untap with my three CMC spell that only has one toughness and then try to go off. And when it, when it does, it does, but it's a little slow to get going, I think. So if I was going to pick one deck that would 
be making its way into the current metagame from this yeah. past metagame area, I really feel like these one of these decks is going to start to be nipping at the heels of the rest of the metagame right now. I just think that the value is so good. I'm going to lean towards the ones that are a little bit more blinky and have Snake in them, Ice Fang Quaddle and things like that. Yeah. It's kind of like the one that I would pick, but I really think that there's a good chance that this makes a big push into the metagame in the next couple of weeks, just because I think it's still powerful. And, you know, there's a bunch of other versions of it floating around. I think that the one, the one that challenged today might have even had like a Titania for more of a kind of land Titan. package idea, which we haven't even seen that one here. So I'd be keeping an eye on these Omnathy decks if I was you all. Okay. Yeah, like if you if you like these kind of decks, you've probably played some variant of them. And I think that's one of the things that it's just important to always realize that these decks that can turn the corner with with Omnath, whether it's through a fire shell or um, a Yorian shell, like they can do it in a very big way where it's just impossible to come back. Yeah, or they opinion, or, or experience, or they combo you off with infinite Felidar Guardians, like you know. Yeah. Whole, it's a whole thing. Okay, the next deck that we would take a look at here, of course, is Phoenix. Yeah, so you have this as the past mainstream, but I think, of course, we're going to identify the fact that this is a likely up-and-comer or a potential up-and-comer because of the new cards, or no? So I think that the reports have been mixed, right? So Everett had really big success with it the first couple of weeks of this format. Cave Dan from Faithless uh, Faithless Brewing has also had good success with it, but it doesn't seem like anybody else is picking it up yet. And so I'm a little curious as to like really what's going to happen here with this deck. You feel like this would be a deck that everyone would be flocking to right. uh, and testing again. Right. And I certainly did, you know, but it didn't show up in the showcase that you had. I, I haven't really seen it. You know, we haven't done a deep dive on any of the challenges the last week or so since Spike got that first top eight with it. So I don't know. I still kind of have this in the things that are still trying to, you know, break their way into the current mainstream meta. But I think that it's right on the border still. And so the couple of decks that we had in this particular uh, dump, one of them was Cave Dan's deck. Dan talked about it a ton on this week's Epa of Faith that's, that's brewing. If you don't listen to that show, please listen to that show. I know that a lot of our listeners are shared with them. You know, we love those guys. The um, It's interesting to see that he has gone away from Consider in this deck and is running Otherworldly Gaze. I've heard a lot of people talking about Otherworldly Gaze being good. I'm not happy about that because I said it was Tiger scheming. <laughs> but uh, yeah. He does have four Consider in this list, but in addition ah, right. to the four Otherworldly Gaze, and he has said a lot of good things about it. Yep, sure which has. Is just, and it's all just, look at the top three cards of your library, put any number of them into your graveyard, uh, flashback one in the blue. Yep. So I guess that's all you need. And the um, the secondary threat here, too, is Murktide Regent instead of Demi-Lich, which, you know, Everett was pretty all in on Demi-Lich on the versions that he was playing. You know, I think that there's some of those choices that are still making me feel like this deck is not quite into the mainstream yet. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's also just widely, it hasn't been adopted all that much right now. I mean, you can tell this is a Cave Dan deck because of Ox of Agonis. <laughs> I, know it's a, I know it's a Cave, cave Dan staple. I love that card too. I always, I want, I always want that card to be really good. I've had more fun with it in, uh, in historic than anywhere else, though, to be honest. And then there's also another. Is it Phoenix? There's an Is it Phoenix deck here from Sergeant Snuggles that is just like not trying that hard to get Phoenixes in the yard. I guess it has consider. It has 
Dragon's Rage Channeler and Murktide Regent and Demilich and Arclight Phoenix, so it has some extra threats in it. It has Charter Course instead of anything that does kind of a Faithless Looting style effect. You know, it doesn't have Is It Charm, it doesn't have Faithful Mending, but it has Consider, and um, that's kind of it. And Thought Scour, of course. Mm-hmm. So interesting to see this one get up to the top and just someone just be like, I don't even need Faithful Mending. I'm just going to play Consider and it's going to be fine. It's good enough. Okay. Next yeah. deck on the list is the deck that we've been waiting forever to talk about. <laughs> and we didn't we didn't want to spoil it in the deeper dive, but this is Mickey S from our Discords. Mickey Plays Magic is his screen name. The deck that he top 32'd with in the uh, the showcase this weekend and that he got a 50 with in the same week. So he's in this deck dump and it is humans for I more want to call it what simians <laughs> because it's just humans with Ragavan nimble pilferer. And of course a well-considered and thoughtful 60 other than that, as far as what decks you decide to include or not, you know, Mickey is also running Imperial recruiter, but yeah, it's fascinating to see this deck actually seem to pick up some steam. Now, I do think there's a funny story with with where this deck came from, which is basically Mickey had the Gen Con pass and so had all the cards for a week or whatever and was just going through every tribal deck and jamming for Ragavan into the deck and then playing it and posting the results of it up into our Discord. And then he got what to, happens. Yeah. And then he got to humans and was like, oh, this is actually good. And, and decided to stick with it for a while, it felt like. But yeah, this is a cool list. Shane, you, you've you played some humans. Oh man, not for a long time. I mean, what I, what I like about it, I mean, it is everything primarily. But it's just like, I wonder if you had any trouble with the mana because like, you know, your, your Ancient Ziggurat can play it. Yeah. Your Aether uh, Vial can play it. Your Aether Vial can play it. Your Unclaimed Territory. You, what are you going to do? Like you're not, you have to, you want to name human, right? So it's like, or sometimes you're naming what pirates because and then yeah, I guess you get Kitesail Freebooter off of that. Yeah, I don't know. I, what, I, mean, I think that it's just hilarious that Ragavan has become the type of card. I think in his Saturday list, he only played a mere three Ragavan, but it's just the kind of card where if you have it on the play and get damage in, the entire game has shifted now, and and you're so far ahead and in the driver's seat. That you're just, you're just cruising to that that pole position. Let's keep doing some auto racing metaphors. It is a car analogy. Yeah, and Mickey also mentioned that he felt like this deck was really good against the blue white control that was around. You know, that was in the because this deck is fast and it also is a bit resilient. You can name Supreme Verdict from with Meddling Mage and all those kind of other things that you can do. But I think that there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. You know, it's down a little bit on Thalia. There's only two Thalia Guardian Thrabens in here. Imperial Recruiter lets you search up whatever piece you're kind of looking for when you're looking for for something. There's even a single Sanctifier in Vec in the main. I just thought that this was a fun story because he hit on something while he was just kind of wildly experimenting with a lot of stuff and then went for it. And it has had a good weekend as a result of that. And a lot of takes on the net about this because this is like, I think, one of the first examples where it's like, we're going to take a tribal deck like humans and just throw Ragaman in it and and succeed with it. And that's the kind of thing where people then start being like, oh, this is just the kind of card that people are going to start throwing in everything like Oko. I mean, you know, it's not like Oko in terms of the way it plays, but it may be like Oko where 
it's bringing so much power to a deck that it's it's potentially dangerous. So good on you, Mickey. Uh, congrats for the top 32 and the 5-0, and for showing people that Ragavan is an okay magic card. Dave, we still have Death and Taxes in the past mainstream. It's the kind of thing that some people have said is dead, including a friend of the show, Spider Space, but it always shows up. It's always something that people do some 5-0s with. It's always the kind of thing that people keep playing, and why not? Why There's not? a lot of good white cards. Yeah, and there's even some new ones. I mean, uh, Offbeat Hero was someone who 5-0'd with Death and Taxes, and they included two cards from Innistrad Midnight Hunt, Ambitious Farmhand and Cathar Commando. One of them is a... Um, the Commando is kind of an art- another artifact enchantment hate card, so it's, you sacrifice mm-hmm. it to get rid of one of those. And then Ambitious Farmhand searches up a planes, but also later can flip with Coven to become a 3-3 lifelinker. So it becomes a bigger bigger threat, which I think is a cool thing too. And then of course it's a Yorian deck, so it has space for the extra cards. It's got Stoneforge Mystic Package. It just kind of goes on and on. Um, you know, we have talked about a few Aether Vile decks here at this point, and you know, they seem like they're starting to come back a little bit, even in the face of prismatic ending. I think it's just sort of thinking about what the meta means or how to play the deck, knowing that you might go up against ending to get rid of your turn one play more often than than ever used to be possible before all right so a little bit of death and taxes not sure it's really got a big up arrow next to it but i think it's interesting that people are still going devoted devastation is next here so a couple of interesting things here one was kind of a normal devoted devastation build that just had the mm-hmm. post-mortem lunge package which is pretty popular with people now and again to be able to do uh, get things out of the graveyard and have that discount from the phyrexian mana w- what's this other list about yeah By bad moon Bad Moon brings this Naya flavor to get access to Ragavan, I guess, for Ragavan. And Imperial Recruiter for like t- tutoring pieces that you need. You know, Season Pyromancer for being Season Pyromancer. And that's what's also doing like some stone forging to get, I guess, like combo equipment like Viridian Longbow, which can turn your Devoted Druid into like a walking ballista if you have hmm. Vizier out. And. Or Lightning Greaves to give things haste, which of course is valuable with Devoted Druid as well. But like it removes so many staples of this deck, like Noble Hierarch and Birds of Paradise and Eladamri's Call. And it's like this sort of like hybrid value creature combo build. And I don't know if this is trying to be too many things, but I love that a deck like this can still exist and still 5-0. Yeah, very cool. All right, Devoted Devastation kind of interesting resurgence there a little bit maybe and then I mean, we have it's, a- it's still it's just a deck that's always there man it's like it's it's one of those things that it's just like a creature combo deck that people still are going to win with and if you want to play it you totally can yeah so let's talk about some other decks that are also just kind of always there but never quite back at the top again gift storm Always a, always a 5-0 stalwart. Never went away. Well, yep, never went away. But what's going on here is that this deck is now running a couple of Wish, which I think is yeah. a cool, interesting tutor to be able to have access to to grab cards from your sideboard. If you're not familiar with what Wish is, it's from uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, and it costs two generic and a red for a sorcery that just says, you may play a card you own from outside the game this turn. That's it. You don't even add it to your hand which is kind of a weird thing. You just play it You're from right. your you sideboard. <laughs> huh. I mean, and what's good about that is then you keep your grape shot out there. You keep your pass in flames out there. You keep uh, empty the Warrens type yeah. thing. So it's just a way 
to get at a needed card to finish off your combo when you've stormed off like crazy. Yeah, or even to get a shattering spree to get out from under chalice or mm-hmm. lots of other things. So really cool kind of piece of tech there, I think for sure. Next card on this list, Amulet Titan. Mm-hmm. Only one in this particular deck dump, but you know, a lot of people have been lamenting Amulet's death. I mean, it might not be good right now in the meta, but people still love it. They're still playing it. The new card that's in here, which I thought was interesting, is a card called Gretchen Titchwillow, which is a card I didn't even know existed from Adventures of the Forgotten Realms again. It is an 04 for a blue and a green mana, and it says, it has an activated ability that says, two generic green-blue draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. That seems loose in terms of the cost <laughs> of that activated ability. Yeah. But wow. Pretty interesting. Why not? I, I mean, it is an 04. It blocks stuff all day. I think this might be a thing where it's kind of like, oh, if I have a bunch of mana, but I don't have a bunch of cards, maybe I can kind of go, 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 go a bit. Sure. Uh, Aaron from our chat. He said, if you have two Amulet out and a Gretchen, you can activate her, place him at Growth Chamber, tap it for four, and return it to your hand. This basically lets you draw your whole deck. <laughs> there you go. It is a lot there of cards go. if you have a lot of mana, just like that. <laughs> you have to have two Amulet, though. Or there's, there's probably other ways you can just get sort of middling value. Like if you have a multi-land player out there, you know, you can play it twice and all that kind of stuff. So Yep. So thanks for the correction there, Aaron. Appreciate it. Next one, Ad Nauseam. Adnaz with Profane Tutors. You know, I think people really thought that this deck was totally dead after Simeon Spirit Guide was banned. And it's mm-hmm. been showing up here and there quite often. And, you know, I know that there's a lot of people in the Adnaz Discord who are who've been working hard to make sure it comes back. But really what happened is that it fully switched to a Thassa's Oracle deck and it runs Profane Tutor. And now it's just kind of gone on its merry way. For sure. We also have some other kind of just staples that you see. All the time. We've got Goblins, which has like Noble Hierarch, of course, from Horizons 2. Uh, I know that, again, Mickey is a Goblins player that you know, seems to play it quite a bit. Uh, it seems like, you know, maybe it's not great, but it's a card that people, it's a deck that people like playing. And so if you like playing with Goblins, doing a little combo stuff, doing a little, you know, aggression, why not? Yep. And speaking of aggression, we've got Merfolk, uh, Simic, Merfolk, Blue Green. Spicy, spicy, blue, green, merfolk. Why not? I mean, this is the kind of thing, like I said, you're always you're always going to see merfolk showing up in you know, the league dumps. And even, you know what? MTG Goldfish will randomly get like a, like a 1K or like an FNM or like some kind of event from like MTG Melee. Like merfolk shows up in those a ton. Because it's just like the kind of deck that people really like bringing and really like playing. So yeah. it's the kind of thing where, yeah, it might not be the best aggressive deck in the format, but it's certainly, if it's yours, you are you can do fine with it. Yeah, and the cards that have been added to this deck recently, of course, are Svelin, A Sea and Sky from Modern Horizons 2, and Tide Shaper. Tide Shaper is the, um, the Spreading Seas card, which is uh, cool to be able to have that just be a threat, comes into play, does your Spreading Seas, and off you go. And then this deck is running Chalice and Aether Vial, which has always been an interesting yeah. thing for me to see. We're just doing both. We're doing both. Don't worry about it. I want to talk about the next one because this is a deck that I think is new, but is going to be in this tier for a long time, which is just like, it's. I think it's never going to be the, the best competitive deck, but it's going to be a deck that everyone's going to keep playing. And that is these tribal zoo style decks. 
And, you know, these are the domain decks that have, it's a lot of Horizons 2 cards where it's like Territorial Kavu and Ferris Rockerick and Shardless and Scion of Draco and things, you know, those kind of the creature, core creature package that is like, hey, we're multicolor, we're getting value off of our wild mana base, we're casting Tribal Flames and, you know, winning a good amount of time. Why not? This is what we thought was going to happen, and it wasn't as it was it was as good I think as I thought, and I think that that's fine. Yep, pretty much the list that people thought we would have. There is a Knight of the Reliquary combo, which is another Omnath deck with a combo kill. We did not want to talk about this during the Omnath area because it's such a different version of these decks, but um, it does have your Knight of the Reliquary plus Retreat to Coral Helm deck that people have tried to do a bunch of times. And this one also is a deck that runs Titania Protector of Argoth in that same shell, which is uh, very cool. Do cool stuff with Elvish Reclaimer, get a bunch of five threes from from Titania (laughs) and kill your opponent. The next deck we had on our list was Mono Green Hardened Scales. You know, yeah, it's mono green. It's hardened scales. Like I said, this is the kind of thing where it's always going to be people who like playing it. If you want to see small iterations, small changes, or just what the latest deck list is looking like, you look in the leagues. Yep, and of course, this deck mostly powered up recently by Zabaz, the Gl- Glimmer Wisp, which I think is a good card. It's not a great card, but it's very good. And of course, it's another Urza Saga deck, as so many decks here are these days. Um, but you know, this is a deck that people thought was dead when when mox uh mox opal was banned and there you go mm-hmm. lantern control is next i think this is another deck that's powered up by urza saga you don't even need sure. to mess around with were in this deck anymore this that's is wild. really just uh, obzon essentially so you have prismatic ending kaya ancient stirrings discard spells and a whole bunch of artifacts and that's it and urza saga and you of have course. a deck that works because it gets so many different pieces of your combo. It gets Lantern, gets Codex Shredder, gets what you're missing. Uh, you know, Lantern. <laughs> oh, Lantern. Jeskai Blitz. Dave, what is this list? Jeskai Blitz. Okay, when I first read this, I was like, could it be? Could it be? Is it? Could it be that someone is actually playing Stormwing Entity in Modern again right now? And of course, I misread it because I thought it said, is it? But it says Jeskai. And it's not even really all that Jeskai. It's really mostly Mono Red Blitz. It's just uh, Dragon's Rage Channeler, Monastery Swift Spear, Ragavan Nimble Pilferer, and Soulscar Mage. It has Luris as a companion. And then it's got your prowess spells, but you don't bother even running Manamorphose in this deck. You're just playing a more kind of like... not control you're playing a more interactive game i guess but you do have four expressive iteration four light up the stage and four mishra's bauble so it's kind of red prowess splash blue for expressive iteration and splash white for path to exile and prismatic ending a theme that we have have uh coming up over and over again here i don't know what to think about this deck <laughs> this deck but i thought it was cool <laughs> to see someone trying to do something with prowess but also a little bit like huh even in prowess you still got to play ragavan and drc don't you yeah, pro- it's weird that Blitz is is seriously one of the the decks that seems like it has taken the biggest fall along with Heliod, right? Where it's like these were those were the decks of modern, and somehow both of them have become one has become something else. I think in a, in a lot of different ways, and Heliod is just not really a thing that people are are bringing anymore. 
Totally agree. And I don't feel like Heliod has a good chance to come back given the way that modern is going at this moment, but we'll, we'll see another day. Incredibly. Yep. Okay. Affinity is the next one that's in the old meta that might come back, you know, we'll see. But the fascinating thing to me about affinity here is that affinity, when it was in its heyday in modern did not actually run any cards that said if <laughs> not many cards that actually had affinity for artifacts. And yeah. this deck is very, very different. Now it runs. Yeah. Frogmite, it runs Mirror Enforcer, it runs Sojourner's Companion and Thought Monitor. Those last two are all from Modern Horizons 2. It really is much more of that affinity deck because, and it does some stuff too. Like, I don't know if you've played against this oh, recently, yeah. but they'll play so good. five, six cards on the first turn. They can really get going. Thought Monitor is a cool way to be able to get a threat and also get a thought cast at the same time. Like, For I, sure. this is another deck that I feel a little bit like it's kind of. On the edge there, although you know, really tough in a meta game that has a lot of um, a lot of chalice, but this yeah. is still pretty cool. It's it's one of those things that for me, it's like this deck is very good at what it does, but is it better at similar decks that are just trying to beat down as well? Like are other decks more resilient? Like Hammer, we know has really really good like resiliency. And still has the power to beat down. So this is just the kind of deck that I think really benefits from going wide. Like if you don't have ways to deal with a wide board, Affinity can really take over. But yeah, I, I also agree, Dave, that this is one of those ones that I think is potentially on the bubble. Maybe another piece or two, or maybe just more people uh, tinkering with it, and it'll get there. Or something shifts in the meta, and Affinity can really take over. Or not really take over, but at least be a, a player. All right, next last couple decks we have in this past metagame. One is a Wurza Thopter Sword. And this deck is really not doing much new other than the fact that it is splashing into white instead of splashing in a different color to be able to run Prismatic Ending and Portable Hole. Hey, remember when white was the worst color? Now everybody wants to splash it. But otherwise, this is an Urza Thopter Sword word deck, which I think is is cool to see around still. Um, nice to see it picking up new tools like that that help. And of course, it's got Urza Saga too. Yeah, Urza plus his Saga. Why not? Urza, formerly one of the most powerful cards that was considered ever printed, and now it's just sort of like a, a, a rogue rogue deck. Yeah. It's interesting. There's a real rogue one coming up in the rogue area that we definitely got to get to. So let's let's keep moving. So Niv to Light's the last one in the past meta, I would say. It's still Niv to Light. It's still doing what it does. It's not doing much else. But uh, I don't know if there was anything that you thought was particularly interesting about this build. No. I don't, I don't find Niv to Light very interesting in general. <laughs> wow, ouch. That's what I said on, the, on Sleeve Believe Heave, and I've never lived it down. It is interesting. The only thing I would note here is that it's running a couple of Ferris Rockrick because there's so many multicolor spells in here. You might as well do it uh, as a cool additional angle of attack. All right. So let's get into the current rogues, which where I think there's some really current and upcoming coming rogue decks, but I think there's some really interesting stuff. First one I wanted to point out is there were three different bombardment decks in this deck dump. There is a black red one, a zombie sacrifice bombardment deck that's kind of Mardu that was piloted by Doomwake in this drop, actually. And then Jun Sacrifice, very close to a riff off of Everett's list that we've seen. Um, I th am thrilled at this point that Goblin Bombardment was added into Modern. I think it's such a cool card to have access to. And it doesn't yeah. seem like it's really got the potential to really get totally broken although we'll see what happens but um it's a cool deck to be able to do have an outlet for these decks that can sacrifice a bunch of permanents bring things back loop things all that kind of stuff 
Yeah, I like these these zombie style ones, like the 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 Rakdos one and the Mardu one from Doomwake is you know really getting some value out of bombardment. Doomwake's has Mayhem Devil. Uh, take advantage of sack value from Carrion Feeder and Gravecrawler and getting Bloodgast back and Gravecrawler back and you know it's. I think it's smart, and I really hope decks like these can eventually become staples, things that we just expect to see and sometimes see at the the top 32s of challenges and things like that, because it's a unique style of deck that I think people are still trying to figure out how, to, how best to build it and play it. And then, so I think, the, yeah, totally agree with you. I'm super happy that I have a lot of the stuff for this deck. Definitely <laughs> want to try it out. Mono, red, mid ish build so there are a ton of different kind of pieces of innovation going on in these mono red kind of yeah, m hayashi right. decks there's straight up scred no it's scred but it has two ragavan four fury four season pyromancer two shatter skull smashing it has chandra's regulator in there oh my um, gosh. it's doing some stuff that was put together by arth uh arthim uh, and then there's another mono red deck that's very close to a scred list that is running three fury, four ragavan. This is by Caleb D. You know, everybody knows Caleb uh, with Sa- Urza Saga package in it as well, which is super fascinating to see it splash into <laughs> I that. If this is, I wonder if this is like something that like there was like almost like a joke deck and he just like won with it because it's good. Yep. Yep. I mean, this one even has Pia and Kieran Nalar. It's got Koth at the hammer. So this is very close to like pe- what people used to be doing with scred quite often. The the next couple of decks on here, you know, there's a mono red mid range Obosh deck and also mono red Eldrazi. Mono red Eldrazi has been a bit of you know a conversation starter the last couple of weeks because it's just a different take in some ways on a lot of the core things that sort of what Etron is trying to do, like use the good Eldrazi, use Chalice of the Void, then have really good disruption. Uh, now, this deck, of course, doesn't have the Urza's Lands package, but it does have lots of great red cards, including Ragavan, Bonecrusher, Giant, mm-hmm. Season Pyromancer, and Fury, which is kind of a similar theme to all of these. But really cool versions here. Uh, the Obosh build, I think, had... Ha- oh, this is the one that has Hammer of Bogardin in it, too. So <laughs> it's fully like the M. Hi- M. Hayashi deck that uh, Stan talked about on the bonus episode a little bit ago. And finally, a mono-red Obosh Prowess deck, which is very close to what we used to see kind of couple of couple of seasons ago, just yeah. with Ragavan and Dragon's Rage Channeler in there so that your one-drops are awesome, your spells are awesome, you got Pirate Spell Bomb, and then you're just kind of going for it. For Blood Moon main. Blood Moon Supremacy is what this deck, these decks are mostly all about. Yeah, I just, I think these decks are really good sometimes. And it's one of those things where it's like they always just seem like some kind of gag, right? And then they just happen to come and show up so often that there has to be something there. And it might be 53%, who knows? But it's still, that, that's like, that's a thing that I think a lot of people will, would like playing and and keep your eyes peeled for these different red mid mid red builds. Yep. Next on the list, Twiddlestorm. So, established oh, yeah. rogue, current rogue, up and comer, I don't know at this point, but it's your Lotus Field breach kind of deck with Twiddle. The only thing that's cool about this or new about this is that this is also running Wish as a Wish card and it's not messing around with the the fairy from 
Eldraine. Yeah, to get anymore. granted. Yeah, to get granted. It's just straight up wish. Yeah, it's the first part, not the second part. It's right. the first part of the wish. I love the AV Progenitor Ooze, which I guess is probably the wish, a wish target and a win con. It's a very challenging storm spell in a lot of other decks, but if you have enough mana, you get a, you get a lot of oozes. <laughs> so many oozes. Too bad you can't give them haste. Like this Lotus Field is just such, like the Twiddle Lotus Field thing is just such a powerful engine that it's, it's, if you like combo y, cast a bunch of spells, tap, untap things, like this is just the deck for you. I think one of the decks for you, especially because it's just a unique angle that exists in modern mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to do it. Absolutely. Okay. Similar to that deck, Charbelcher. Char Belcher. Yeah. Not a deck that I'm sad is mostly gone from the top of the meta at this point, or it is gone from the top of the meta because it had that brief moment. But, um, you know, this is the recross the paths version. It's got the, the main new card that has in it is a card that I thought might show up in storm occasionally, but doesn't, which is strike it rich, which is that sorcery that makes a treasure token, which is a pretty cool card, but yeah, they they're going for it here. And it has a couple of fury in it, which I was kind of like, are you drawing into, you know, drawing into like creature interaction for some reason? It's an interesting, interesting thing to have pop up here sometimes too. What do you think happened with Char Belcher? Was it just never as good as we thought, or is like just is there ways that people are hating it out? I think it just got I'm to putting be, it on the spot. I, I I don't know. I think it just got to be less less uh, reliable than people thought it was going to be. Yeah, sure. That's always the thing for decks like this, right? It's just reliability in the end. And then uh, next up on the rogues list, that was interesting to see Soul Herder, Bant, Yorian, Ephemerate, not doing elemental stuff, not doing. Um, I mean, it is doing some elemental stuff. It's got solitude, it's got endurance. It's not as elemental focused, but it still has four Omnath. So maybe really this deck is much more of a, a riff on elementals than anything else at this point when I look at it also only has one soul herder so this is yeah this is just sort of a creature toolbox deck right like melodamry's call and yeah blinking stuff this is the kind of deck for me like i don't get a lot of like this doesn't scratch any issues that i have for playing magic but i'm glad like if people want to play like these 80 card aether vial creature decks that they have perfectly good ways to do so exactly all right this is one that i want to talk about a minute it's a blue white list by bench summer and it's a combination of urza and yeah. stoneforge mystic okay and it has esper sentinel ingenious smith and thought monitor as the other creatures that are in the deck so like it's, the, it. it's the it's the stoneforge package with urza to help you get a bunch of mana and constructs it has urza saga of course and then it runs metallic rebuke as you're kind of like yeah. Hey, I got a card that I'm gonna surprise you with a really cheap counter spell. So this is the Artificer Artifice Artifact Tribal deck. Yep. It's like the most down the middle, two different artifact payoffs and just kind of go to town from there. It's got your culture complete and your nettle cyst. It doesn't have any other oh, it has Shadow Spear, but it doesn't have like Batter Skull. It doesn't have mm. uh any any other swords or anything like that. It's just those three equipment instead. Yeah. Interesting deck. It's just another one of those decks that can get a lot of value off of Urza. And while Urza doesn't have Astrolabe anymore, it's still a pretty darn good card when it can get going. It's got Mishra's Bobble. Just as good. Sorry about that. Green, black, and facts. <laughs> yeah. 
Green, black, in fact. In fact is just, I mean, this is one of the few times I'll just be like, Hammer is better doing what it's doing. And that's just the way it is. But you can still win with in fact. I'm happy with that. You know what's weird is I've never played green, black, in fact, Dave. Like, I just never have. Like, I played uh, the Simic for a good while early on in my modern career. But I never played Green Black, and I would like to. Phyrexian Crusader protection from white and red. Why not? Pretty good in this meta right here. It's got Ignoble Hierarch, which I think helps it kind of power up just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to attack with your Glistener Elf or your get your Crusader out on turn two. Um, I think this is cool. It's got Abundant Harvest. There's all kinds of interesting stuff going on here. Wild Shape is a new card from uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, and it's just another sort of random pump spell. Like it's one a you know, single green mm-hmm. to basically make a creature have different base power toughness. So like it can be a one three turtle with hexproof. Yeah, so it gives hexproof. Spell. It gives hexproof or trample is what the big thing yeah, that you want here too. Exactly. Is. So that's pretty dope. Like it can turn your one ones and your two twos into three threes that also have trample, and that's a great thing to combine with infect. Exactly. Okay. John Food. What happened yeah. to John Food? <laughs> I don't know. It was, it's, that's one of the things that has actually been the, that's the biggest surprise to me of, of Modern Horizons 2 in general is the rise and fall of Asmo. And I think it's just one of those things where like maybe it had a particular power level in an unrefined meta or like what it was doing was good enough and was so good at like clearing creatures out of the, the way while everyone was focusing on some creature decks or, you know, dragons race channel or something like that. But then as the format became other things and expanded into control style decks and Tron came back a little bit and things like that, where it's just like, well, how's it going to be that? But I don't really know. I still think that this shell is one of the rogue shells that will eventually get broken. Like it's, it already was really close to being broken. And I think that there's just like, there's going to be a day where it truly, deeply, madly cracks. Yeah, it's gotta. Yeah, I mean, just it. That's one of the things, though. Like, if it ever does, like, does they'll just ban Oval Chase Daredevil. Right. But until then, there's going to be a window of time where, like you said, Dave, is like this. This strategy comes back. It's a thing that is is good enough that it's going to be back into the the top tiers of the meta again. Next deck, Scape Shift. Bring to light <laughs> Scape Shift. You have you don't have this in the old. The old pillars. I probably the- should have this one not in the rogue area, but in the old old map. Although I think that this particular version, I guess if Niv was ever a real like mainstream meta deck, then this also was. So yeah, this probably should be in the other area instead of being the rogues. But what are you gonna do? What There's are you a gonna lot of do? organization to do. You know, we're just trying to have a discussion here, everybody. Um, that's why we didn't do tears. <laughs> Exactly. Let's make it a little more subjective. Okay, but Scape Shift is, is doing that thing where it's like sort of this hybrid, like vaguely a controlling style deck to like get to cast Scape Shift, right? Or like at least get to cast Bring Delight. Mm-hmm. Because you can get Valky, uh, you can get Scape Shift, you can Supreme Verdict, all that kind of stuff. So this has what like the Ren and Six and Teferi Time Raveler and Prismatic Ending and the Verdict to try to just sort of buy time and Chalice, of course. Right. Chalice, I don't think, was always in these decks. No, no, no. So it's interesting to see this included as a sort of, like you said, control version that has a really, a lot more emphasis on on the combo kill. Like, you can always, you're always under threat of them going to get Valakut and killing you. All right. Mono Blutron. There's always a Mono Blutron deck. And this one is just super stock, right? Like, it's (laughs) just 
It's got your chalice. It's got uh, all the spells you would imagine. Condescend, repeal. Yeah, all thirst. Maybe the only spicy thing that's in here is that I don't remember it running Shark Typhoon before in the past. But here it is. You can make one big shark, or you could play pretty early, play Shark Typhoon just as an enchantment, and get a bunch of stuff off of it, which I think is actually pretty cool. One big shark, do 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 do. <laughs> one big shark. Okay, Dave. Glimpse of tomorrow. Yeah. This. Why has this deck not broken wide open? Because is it? Because it, cause it just doesn't work enough? that well. Yeah. Oh no. Because it only it works medium well. I think actually consistency issues. Yeah. And I think this deck, man, I can't imagine a lot of people want to pick this up in paper because I just think a lot of. No, I think I think be, it's unplayable, right? Like I'm, I think it's just like really not playable. It's going to be really hard. <laughs> too but this is another deck that is really powered by omnath helping you kind of live live that mid mid game for a while until you can get your combo all going which is pretty interesting too this deck i think is though to be honest is one that could come around a little bit more truthfully especially sure. in the online game like we were saying so i'd keep an eye on it. i know there's a couple people in the uh the slack yeah the discord that play it and not a lot of things do a glimpse of tomorrow does and in fact very, almost nothing so literally nothing uh enchantress is next you know that deck's around it got powered up hugely by by modern horizons and it's still very average still very on the side along with that another deck that's totally made possible by modern horizons 2 is calibrated blast dot deck you know Take a look at this deck list sometime if you haven't looked at it yet. Red Blast. It's all the biggest oh, yeah. spells you've you've ever seen in one place, and they just try to dome you as fast as they can with Calibrated Blast or with Throws of Chaos cascading into a Calibrated Blast that then you try to flashback a couple turns later. Occasionally, this deck will play Scion of Draco early on because you can get it for zero pretty fast. And, you know, I think it's cool and interesting, but, uh, man... <laughs> Tough one. Four Emrakul. Who has four Emrakul? Do you know what I mean? Like, I do. What? Uh, what I don't have is four Atothkathon Worm. Yeah. I was going to. Atothkathon Worm is the spell that when I'm reminded that it exists, I'm the most happy, I suppose. It's just like 10 green, 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 white, white. Yeah. It's just like just the biggest, most absurd beater. Convoke Why Trample. Why not? Yeah. That is, should be fun, though. All right, uh, we have a grinding breach deck from Jiggy Wiggy. Oh, man. That's a that's out of left field. I forgot yep. about that one. Yep. Um, this one has been powered up a bit by Modern Horizons, though, including running the Urza Saga, which you know, of course, you would with all all the different cards you're trying to get out of here, and you know, sometimes just having extra artifacts in play is great. It also has a Dragon's Rage Channeler in it to just get stuff into the graveyard to get started and mm -hmm. groom your draws and. I thought that was pretty interesting on Holy Heat. Like those are cards that I didn't quite think would end up here, but I guess it kind of makes sense the more that you play it. Underworld Breach, we talked about this with like the Lotus Field thing. And it's just Underworld Breach is the card that I can't believe it still exists in modern and that it has not broken wide open. Yeah. Because it's the kind of card that just does absurd things. And I I think that there are still things there that people can and are exploring. And I think it's the kind of thing that it's always a piece much like wreck, which I think we'll talk about in just a few other, like a few decks is that these are very powerful tools that people have access to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Just a few decks left to talk about. And these are some real, real brews. So one okay. I wanted to talk about right away is Gorio's vengeance. Emrakul by grilled cheese. Grilled cheese is grilled cheese. a very, 
very prominent member of our uh, Discord community as well, and also a well-known uh, Amulet Titan player. I think he's one of the he might be the person who founded the Amulet Titan Discord. I think oh, wow. uh, he's well known in that that kind of played that deck a ton, a ton, a ton, and uh, he is kind of disillusioned with with Titan right now, and has been working on these Asmo. Gorio's Vengeance, Emrakul the Aeon's Torn, Reanimator builds. So trying to work on Reanimator builds that are much more based off of Asmo than they're based off of Persist and Unmarked Grave or anything anything like that. And he's having a lot of success with it. And so this is a 5-0 that he's gotten, you know, he's an excellent player. And um, just cool to see him and Mickey both in this this 5-0 dump so we could talk about their decks. But here's what's in this deck. Asmo as a four of, Insolent Neonate as a four of, Bone Crusher Giant as a three of, Season Pyromancer as a three of, Street Wraith as a four of, four Emrakul, one Lightning Bolt, four Thoughtseize, four Gorio's Vengeance, one, one Shatter Skull Smashing Bolt. Yeah. One Expedition Map, four copies of the Underworld Cookbook, and two Wishclaw's Talisman. It runs Urza's Saga as well. So you have a couple of other Saga tutor targets in the side. This deck is wild. I don't even know how to begin to try this deck out. I know some of the other people in our Discord have picked it up and have also had success with it. And I say, good job to yeah, you all. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, just, it shows, I think, a couple of things. One is that you can iterate with a brew and have it be successful. We see that happen here. We see that happen uh, often with the gentleman over on Faithless Brewing is that if you put some time into things and test some stuff out and keep grinding a little bit that you can make a new idea into a thing that actually consistently can win. And yeah. I know that I think Doomwake has played uh, versions of this deck on stream and you thought it was pretty darn good too. So these are legitimate decks and just the fact that one or a small handful of people are sort of working on it doesn't make it any less legitimate. It just makes it more overlooked. Yep, exactly. And I think the big thing that's going on here, just so people understand, like the ideal world is turn one cookbook or insolent neonate, leave that up, turn two, discard Emrakul, and uh, cast Gorio's Vengeance with the Emrakul trigger on the stack, put it into play, attack for 15 in the air on turn one with Annihilator 6, and there you go. Sounds okay. Yeah, but it is interesting that the, the interaction there is about delaying the discard that you get to make out of your hand, which is, is pretty cool. Okay, mid nuzzles with a black red life gain deck. I don't even know what to what? call this deck, but here's what's in this deck that I thought was super interesting: four Dragon's Rage Channeler, three Bloodthirsty Adversary from uh, from Midnight Hunt. Which, that's the red adversary that lets you kind of goblin dark dark dweller it up. Two Rick's Mahdi Reveler, which is like the mini Bedlam Reveler. Three Season Pyromancer. Four Silver Smote Ghoul. Two Immersturm Predator. Hmm. That's the dragon, the sacrifice dragon from Kaldheim. Two Liliana the Veil, three Soren Imperious Bloodlords. You got your black discard card. You got Lightning Bolt. You have Cram Session from what? from Strixhaven that gains you four life and lets you learn. There's only one lesson in the sideboard, and it's an anti artifact card. Okay. So I think that you mostly just want the life gain to be able to bring back your Silver Smote Ghouls yeah, why and not? Coligan's Command. There's a lot going on with this deck, and I was like, I do not fully understand all this stuff, but it seems pretty cool. Let's see. Whenever... Oh, my gosh. It's just like... It's interesting that it's so built around life gain, but I can't really see anything besides Silver Smoke Ghoul as like the big life gain payoff. 
Like, I guess gaining life is just good in general, but my goodness. Yeah, this is this is some wild stuff for sure. All right. And then the last, last deck we had. Team of Wreck. Yeah, Team of Wreck. Why? It gets Memory Deluge. You know, people predicted this. And then it gets Counterspell and Holy Heat from Horizons 2. But I just haven't, I haven't played Team of Wreck, I don't think, ever, right? Like, I don't understand, like, its power level floor. But I just, again, like, much like Breach, I just have a hard time believing that a format that still has Wilderness Wreck, that still has Nexus of Fate, doesn't see more of this deck being played and experimented with. Like, and especially these new pieces, like Counterspell and Holy Heat, they're good spells. Memory Deluge looks like a pretty good spell to have access to. Yeah, maybe this is just something to keep an eye on a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, I've, I've played Saltai Wreck some and it just always feels like you don't have the right answers. Mm-hmm. But this was a world before Unholy Heat existed. And I think Unholy this is one of those decks that maybe Unholy Heat making it able for you to kill something slightly bigger or a Planeswalker actually adds a lot to a deck like this in Modern specifically, where you didn't really care about that quite as much in other formats before Wreck was banned. But yeah, I mean, Wilderness Reclamation certainly is one of those cards that I think people will always be trying to break or find something to do with. Yeah. Uh, in modern, for sure. Dave, this is a lot of decks. Sure this was. Of, this is a lot of... Thanks for the organization, by the way. Thanks for guiding this conversation. And how do you want to tie a bow on this, Dave? Like, what do you want people to walk away thinking about modern and the decks that they have access to and can play and things like that? I mean, I guess the big thing for me looking through this was just really interesting to see some of the places at the top of the meta where there's a lot of innovation going on still, a lot of thinking about how to improve the decks and all those things going on. And then just seeing the vast kind of array of things that people can have a tiny amount of success, like a, you know, 5 0 a league is I mean, it would mean a lot to me to 5 0 a league, you know what I mean? Especially with the deck that I had made, but there are a lot of people out there just grinding all the time. So uh, I think seeing the vast array of decks that can have even that level of success, I think is pretty cool in the metagame right now. You know, yeah. it's a lot, a lot, a lot of decks that are hanging out. And remember, these, these leagues are really only like a two or three day period of time. And so getting like 70 decks with trophies in that amount of time is pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think. Modern is a very wide open format, and that's one of the reasons that we like it so much, right? Is like you're gonna, you're not going to see seventy decks in a, in a standard deck dump. You're going to no. see many, many fewer, right? And I think it gets back to what I was getting at earlier, and what we were talking about earlier. It's just like keep your eyes peeled and don't be as frustrated because you can't play Aether Vial because you feel like you can't explore a certain card or like you feel like. The, a card that you hold near and dear to your heart is not as viable as you want it to be or something like that. Because ultimately, most of us, most of our listeners are not the people that are showing up playing eight hours on Saturday, playing eight hours on Sunday for these big challenges, these you know eight, nine round uh, tournaments that take all day. We're going to go to our FNMs. We're going to go to our uh, weekly events. If we're not doing that yet, we might be playing on Magic Online. And these are the kind of decks that you can play and have fun with. And I think it's a lot better mentality for for me, for you, for anybody, is that I'm going to be happy with the options at my hands rather than frustrated with the power of like Ragaman or something like that. Because Mm -hmm. that is not going to lead anywhere. But continuing to see what, what other people are doing out there, what other creative deck brewers and builders and grinders are doing... I think is what makes modern fun and what makes us so 
interested in the format enough to make a podcast about it three years ago. Exactly. So I'm happy we did this as I think it's a great check-in on the overall format. I think we often are just checking in at the top and it's, it's great to check in on everything else too. So great work. I'm, uh, I enjoyed the pod and I hope you all out there did too, but that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet sub to the podcast, you know, hit, hit that plus button, hit some star, whatever you need to do to get those latest episodes. As soon as they come out, ring the bell or whatever. Yeah. You know, uh, notify, subscribe. I don't know if you use Apple podcasts though, leave us a rating, leave us a review. We love reading those reviews. Ratings help people find us. I think, you know, there's probably some algorithm out there. If you want to leave us some kind of question, some kind of comment, reach out to us. You can tweet us at the dive down email, the dive down at gmail.com. You want to support us, go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the dive down, uh, get into that definitively discreet dive down discord. Uh, it's a lot of fun. We're there very often, and it's a great place to hang out and chat. Again, Mana Traders, thanks a bunch. 15% off your first two months of Magic Online renting service. Use the coupon code THEDIVEDOWN2021. As always, special thanks to Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and five oh elite.